Hello everyone, Justin Vakula here with another episode in my Stoic Philosophy series. Today's episode is a conversation about anger with Gregory Sadler. Gregory Sadler is a philosopher, consultant, speaker, and online content producer. He served as a combat engineer in the U.S. Army, then attended and graduated from Lakeland College with a degree in philosophy and mathematics. He went on to earn a master's and Ph.D. in philosophy at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. After his graduate work for six years, he taught philosophy and religious studies for Ball State's University Extended Education four-year degree program at Indiana State Prison. He then moved down to Fayetteville State University in North Carolina, where in addition to teaching critical thinking and philosophy classes, he coordinated university-wide assessment, wrote portions of the 10-year quality enhancement plan, and began designating and facilitating workshops for educators. In 2011, he left FSU and moved up to Hudson Valley in New York in order to marry a woman he first met back in high school, whose past had crossed with during several times in the intervening years. With her, he founded an educational consulting company, Reason.io, bringing philosophy into practice. Visit my website at justinfacola.com, where you can find links to my social portals, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and see past Stoic philosophy content on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Let's move on to today's conversation. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me on, Justin. All right. Thank you for coming on. We're here today with Gregory Sadler. Can you give an introduction to your interest in Stoic philosophy? Sure. I I first encountered Stoicism as an undergraduate, and I think I didn't understand more than a tenth of what I was reading. But then, you know, as I got deeper and deeper into Stoic texts, I got more and more excited about them. And I found that quite a few of the things that I was researching, particularly with Epictetus, dovetailed very well with some of the topics that I was looking at in terms of the will and how we change ourselves. And then I, I do a lot of work on, on anger as well. And it turned out that the Stoics, once I started digging into them, had a, a lot of useful stuff to say about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of practical applications for philosophy, as the Stoics would say. All right, so the topic of anger, that's what we're here to talk about today. How is it that certain Stoic writers see anger? What would be their definition or their thoughts about it? Well, the Stoics are kind of at one end of a a continuum. They view anger as uniformly bad. So usually they get, in terms of ancient philosophy, they get put at one end with the Aristotelians at another end who are often portrayed as saying anger is something good, which they do say to some, some degree, and then you have others in the middle. So the Stoics are kind of, you might say, uncompromising, no tolerance position people I, I actually don't buy into that entirely, but I, I find a lot of what they have to say in their analysis of how anger arises and what we can do about it really useful. There is one text that's particularly devoted just to the topic of anger, and that's that Seneca's On Anger, but <laughs> you find discussions in a whole bunch of other places. So Cicero has some some great discussions where he has, you know, he's not a Stoic himself, but he has Stoic characters speaking for the Stoic school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he discusses it in, in quite a few places. And he actually agrees with the Stoics on the issue of anger. He thinks anger is the worst of all the uh, negative emotions. The, the vice of irascibility is one of the worst vices. Um, and then Epictetus has a lot of really great stuff to say. And so does, so does Aurelius. 
guess. Although you got to do a bit more digging around and correlating passages with those two, uh, I think, mm-hmm. because um, Epictetus does have a few chapters where he specifically talks about anger, but as usual, he talks about the same stuff in in a number of other places as well. Right, so, right. So, but when you put them all together, you get this really wonderful composite picture. All right. So talking about anger, what we have a common theme in the Stoic text that we're to recognize our emotions, to think about our thoughts and to adjust ourselves accordingly. So if we're happening to feel angry about something, what can be the first steps that we can take? Oh, yeah. So that's a good question. Um, If we actually do start to recognize that we're beginning to head down that path, we can you might say reason with ourselves or or better put argue with ourselves Um, and this is where having these um, sayings you know what the stoics called dogmata ready at hand can be very useful and and we have a lot of them in the stoic texts you know marcus uh, for example tells us when when you're getting angry and he's giving himself this advice but we can use it just as well think about um, what the person is is doing and whether it really is affecting you negatively or whether you're just taking it to be so and there's a, there's a number of other techniques that that can be used as well mm-hmm. but that one's really helpful you know we can also sort of not necessarily empathize depending on how one uses that term but we can we can think about why the other person is motivated to act in the way that they are and we can see that as not just them being a terrible person or being right, out right. to get us Although they may indeed be a terrible person <laughs> to get us, right? Their problem on, on their end. We can um, release ourselves of, of the need to inflict a kind of vengeance upon them or ward off a threat that we see them posing to us. Now, th- that's really great if we can catch ourselves while we're doing it. A lot of the time, I think we're unfortunately in a position of already feeling angry and starting to react. And Seneca is actually pretty pessimistic about the capacity for us to to intervene in our own workings once we've actually gotten really angry. Epictetus and, and Aurelius seem to be more optimistic about about that. And I, I, I go with them on on that myself. Right. Um, but you know we, we can we can recognize that once this is something that not just the Stoics but other people realized as well, that anger is closely related to rationality and it's tied up with these notions that we have of um, right and wrong and what's deserved and what's undeserved. Mm-hmm. And so it has a, a great tendency to, to subvert or seduce our, our reasoning capacities into its own direction. And so when we when we get angry, if we're not like totally beyond uh, the the boundaries of rage and into something like fury, but we're you know we're actually able to talk with other people. We engage in reasoning processes, but we engage in faulty reasoning processes. You know, if we exercise some discipline over time, we can get better at catching those when they're occurring within us and um, suggesting to ourselves better lines of of practical reasoning it's also helpful if you know we have trusted friends who can intervene and say hey buddy you're you're getting really out of line here (laughs) um you're you're saying these things clearly only half of those are true about this other person (laughs) um you know the notion that you should attack them or or behave in this way your your reasoning processes are, are going haywire maybe we should take a walk or let's talk about it over here 
you know, those, all those sorts of things. In the moment, they were yeah. just as useful back in ancient Greece and Rome, as, yeah, as they are now for for us. You know, walking in a bar and, and hearing somebody talking smack or something like that. You know, right, right. So we can take some approaches here to intervene in the moment. Perhaps we can be proactive. We can reflect on some experiences that have happened and work to improve in the future. Right. Yeah, you know, the uh, premeditatio malorum, the, you know, thinking about the bad things before they happen, that's really helpful with anger because we can think about not just the thing that somebody is likely to do that would tick us off um, if we're not being careful, but we can also think about what a bad thing it is for us to get angry. And we can imagine, Seneca has, you know, he says, Bring it before the person's eyes. You know, if they can see themselves in a mirror and see how distorted their their face becomes, or you know, like with us, we could just take a cell phone and and uh, instead of doing a nice selfie that we put on Facebook, <laughs> take an actual selfie of what we look like ticked off. You know, or record our voice, right? Yeah, or, yeah. How it changes. Then we can use that later on, and we can say, "Wow." That's what I become. That's what I sound like. I, I don't like that. And so the the meditation of of bad things in advance becomes not just a, a meditation of here's here's how the here's the triggers that people are going to push or the buttons that they're going to push, and maybe those aren't really that bad. And then you you know then you can think about your own reactions. You can say, well, that really is bad. And I don't want to be that person who who behaves in that way. Right. Realizing that anger won't be productive. This isn't going to be a productive approach. And this topic of dealing with difficult people is interesting as that comes up a lot in the Stoic text, right? That we should anticipate (laughs) these things that that we're going to go into a bathing establishment and people are going to be splashing and we'll maybe be in the gymnasium and someone will bump into us. Okay, that might happen. We might not assume ill intent here, but just having a an acceptance about that and that other people are going to be difficult in many ways, right? Yeah, that, that particular passage from the Enchiridion that you're bringing up in, in chapter four of going to the bathhouse and and then um, deciding, do I, you know, it, with each thing, do did I want to just bathe? Is that my, my whole purpose here? Or did <laughs> I want to keep my pro-racis, my moral purpose or, or faculty of choice in accordance with nature? Because I can't do both. And now it sounds very abstract, and I, I don't know that how helpful. I don't, for example, tell myself when I'm getting angry, do I want to keep my prior racist in accordance with nature? <laughs> you know, I have to make it more concrete for myself. I, there might be some some people who who that works great for. Um, so I don't want to knock it. But you know, we have to tell ourselves things like, uh, look, this is going to damage the relationship that I have with this person if I lose my temper and shout at them. Or this is not going to get my coworker to knock off the thing that they're doing, which which I do find annoying and and see as a, I don't know, uh, transgressing personal space, you know. Or, mm-hmm. or um, it, it, there's other ways to, that we can go about it. It, it is interesting because um, Seneca does at one point in On Anger say that um, a judge when handing down a sentence shouldn't be angry when handing down the sentence, but it might be useful if he appears to be angry so that the offender thinks that, well, this is really being taken seriously. He doesn't see that as, as a justification for all of us when we think that we need to be taken seriously to actually get right. angry at people. But but it might it might sometimes be needed in that way. And so that's where 
I, I tend to go uh, a little bit away from the Stoics and, and more towards uh, the, the Aristotelians. But I do think that the Stoics have great ways to analyze how we get angry and what we might do uh, in, you know, instead of it or to, to short circuit it. Right. And yeah. maybe, maybe in that moment when we recognize we can maybe take a breather, right? Employ some self-talk, as you were saying, as you, you might not think, yeah. oh, I, I need to act in accordance with human nature, but rather, well, okay, maybe this isn't actually so bad, or maybe I can talk about this experience later with a trusted friend and analyze how to better handle it, and that we're going to come across a lot of dilemmas. Which battles are we going to fight, right? There's a lot of talk about prudence oh. and selecting the battles yeah. in the Stoic texts as well, right? Can we do everything? Is that a realistic thing? Should we complain? Are we going to let other people control our happiness? This doesn't seem to be a good way to be. Yeah, Seneca has a great line in there, and I think it's in book one, towards the end. He's considering, you know, whether the wise person should get angry. And, he's, and there was an argument that somebody was making at the time, because clearly he's responding to that, where um, they said, look, if, 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 you know, if you look at the world, people are generally pretty screwed up and screwed up things happen. You should get angry at that sort of thing. <laughs> and so he said, well, if that's the way we think about the wise man's mindset, uh, you know, he's going to be angry all the time. Right that's, right. that's how you consider the sage person, you know, a rageaholic. So, yeah, there's, there's that. And then going back to the, the self-talk thing. You're right. We can we can do productive self-talk with ourselves, or or have somebody else, if we're fortunate enough, to have um, two conditions, namely that we actually do have a good friend, and that we are in the kind of state where we'll listen to the good friend <laughs> because we can have him without necessarily listening to them. If we have that, that's great too, because then it doesn't just happen. Oh. Um, but notice too that anger itself. It, you know, it involves these reasoning processes, and those often manifest as self-talk. Like, I'm not going to put up with this crap from this person. Oh, I you see. know, and right. and so sometimes we can like go off and and we say, I'm going to take a walk. And um, anger researchers have looked at this and they found it, it really depends on what you do during that walk. Are you <laughs> going to um, think about other things? Or you know, maybe remind yourself that getting angry isn't isn't productive for yourself, or you know, do things along those lines. Or are you going to go off and take a walk, and while you're walking along, think to yourself of all the other terrible things that that person has done over the the course of time, and what your reply should have been to them last argument that you had. Well, if you do that, you're just going to get angrier and angrier. So, right. so there's another choice that has to be made there, in terms of how you're going to occupy yourself. And I, and I think Stoicism is, you know, both as a sort of systematic doctrine and as a set of practices is really useful for people in this because um, the doctrines tell you, okay, what are the sort of things that would be productive for you to think about and what should you avoid? Mm -hmm. And then actually doing it, you know, w over time we, we, we rework our habits. Right. And so it's very, you know, it feels very fake and, and uh, forced and... And uh, it might actually make you angry at, at the suggestions when when you first try it out, and you're like, "Here's what I should what, what I should do in this situation," you know. And then you might be like, "Screw you, Epictetus!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do what I want, you know. Kind, kind exactly. Of, you know, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but over time, you know, when, when you do it several times, it, it starts to, first, it, it, you start to actually see, okay, there might be something to this. And then it, it starts to become easier. This is something that you can only experience when you when you put in the time and, and the work to do it. But once you do start experiencing that, it's very liberating, I find. Right. So we have to understand that there will be more productive ways than others and that this is the thing. Okay, there might be individual differences, but when we go on that walk and we decide to punch a wall and then maybe, oh. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. maybe our hand, we're, we're going to experience pain and then maybe um, we're going to have to pave to fix the wall, right? Like that's, that's an obvious one. So we can see that there are some negative consequences of the anger. Some people go into some drug abuse, right? And they can yeah. get involved in some violence as well. So we have to understand that there are some negative consequences to the anger, but even there are slighter ones, maybe not as obvious as you were saying, a lot of negative consequences in just thinking about these things and just being upset and miserable, right? Yeah, because we only have so much time in a day. So if we're spending, I don't know, you know, one hour of it uh, thinking over what we're angry about most recently and how it ties in with you know what these other people or, or the same people did to us in the past, that's an hour that we've lost and we're not gonna get back. Um, and, and we've, by dwelling on it like that, we reinforce the habit both of dwelling on it and of getting angry. Um, so we're making things tougher for ourselves the next time around. And not just with that particular person, but you know, you, when you think about it, things that we call vices, and also virtues, they're dispositions that we transfer from situation to situation. So if I develop a, um, you know, bad dispositions with respect to anger as, I don't know, a teenager in high school dealing with my friends and classmates and parents, well, I'm going to bring that to the, the, to the next place that I'm, I'm in, you know, say the workplace or in college, um, and, and it will keep on going on and on. I mean, the, the good news is that the same thing holds for virtues as we begin to develop them. You know, as we begin to develop justice, for example, and start to actually, you know, I mean, part of justice, I think, is not making excuses for ourselves and our bad behavior. Right, right. To take accountability. Uh, that might fall under prudence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, uh, we do owe other people a certain mode of behavior like like Marcus tells us if we're really rational beings then we're supposed to be acting for the benefit of other rational beings not just for what we feel our own benefit is you know we should we should be behaving towards them in good ways as we cultivate the virtues we we start to place ourselves in in situations much more easily where we can we can respond appropriately and, and fulfill you know what the stoics called our duties to other people and ourselves because you know getting angry we we damage ourselves uh, just as much as we do you know whatever else the the sign that we vandalize the, the bottle <laughs> that we break uh, the person who we we tell off right yeah we we damage ourselves just as much right and the stoic writers talk a lot about contentment and just having a tranquil mind about things, about having a sort of happiness, having a fulfilled life, and anger can definitely be a barrier to these things. How, how settled can we be if we're just in a state of just being upset, right? Yeah, I, I suppose that, I mean, there's other emotions that are, that are problematic as well, and the Stoics identified, you know, quite a few of them. Um, they all, what they all have in common is that they, they go against reason in some way. 
they um, go beyond certain limits that we would place upon ourselves. Um, so fear and, and grief, you know, these can also really screw things up for us, but in some ways more volatile. This, I, think that, I think that's why Seneca singled it out and wrote an entire work on it. Anger also has the tendency to make us feel that we're right in feeling it. Mm-hmm. So it... it um, it reinforces itself in a way that, say, fear doesn't, or you know, excessive uh, pleasure taking doesn't. Right. Anger also does one other thing too that I think is kind of interesting. You know, when we think about the dichotomy of control, and the part of the upshot of that is, well, we we screw ourselves up in part by not observing the dichotomy of control and thinking we can control all sorts of things that are actually right. outside of our control. And, finding our good in in those rather than working on ourselves. So anger arises in part when we get upset about things that are outside of our control. So somebody cuts us off in traffic, for example, and we want to get somewhere fairly quickly, and now we might miss our exit or something along those lines. Well, that can, I know for me, that can tick me off. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, you live in in the Philly area, so I imagine uh, those drivers are are probably uh, similar to Chicago drivers, right? Um, So lots of opportunities for exercising stoicism with that or you know we go into other situations where where that sort of thing happens so there's 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 all these kinds of things where you know things are not in our control we'd like them to be in our control they go badly we get angry we you know we react against the people involved or sometimes even inanimate things that are involved like the 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 car itself Mm -hmm. doesn't work the way we want so we get mad at it and hit the dashboard so there's all of that that's all about control and then anger itself unlike a lot of the other emotions attempts to impose control upon the situation not usually getting it because uh it's you know you can't really like like epictetus points out you can't really control another person's faculty of choice that's up to them but when we get angry we try to compel people to see things our way so we and we can get even angrier at them if they say oh no no you're wrong about this they don't agree with us that we're right to be angry. So right. there's, it, it's much more um, problematic than the other emotions. I think the Stoics were good at, at picking out all these dimensions in which uh, it, it winds up reinforcing itself. Think about the other thing, too. If I get angry at you and you feel that I don't really have a good reason to be angry at me, what's your reaction typically? Let's say you're not a Stoic, right? Mm-hmm. You get angry at me. Right. And, and we can... We can mutually reinforce this, and then we start um, upping the ante, and, and and you know, starting to get into real insults, trying to hurt the other person, or push them away, or make them uh, admit that they're wrong. And you know, by the time that we're done, you know, we're threatening each other with with terrible things that that if we were in a better state of mind, we would see are practically insane. Right. Yeah, if we could rewind the timeline and instead have talked about an issue or just removed ourselves from a situation or maybe thinking, oh, this isn't actually such a big deal to me, maybe I can focus on some other things instead, right? Some other responses that we could have had. It's interesting in talking about personal examples and things that we've encountered. One thing I see through poker play as I'm a regular player is we see that anger seems to result in people losing money, that maybe they're upset that they 
they lost a hand, that some event at the, hap the table happened, maybe their drink came later than they expected, maybe they, they didn't get the food that they wanted, so they start getting reckless and making bad plays and they start losing money. That's really interesting. I mean, part of what you're pointing out too is it's not just getting angry about things within the game itself, like getting angry at the other players for having won, you know, what you feel entitled to be your hand or something like that, but extraneous things like uh, a drink or, or a food order not, not arriving the way that one would like it to. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely put somebody at a disadvantage, I suppose. For sure. I mean, do, do people try to provoke each other in, in, in games? Yeah, th in there's sometimes about that. that. Someone will make a comment on someone else's play or they'll berate another player at the table. Maybe a, a player will win a hand and they'll make a comment like, oh, you just got really lucky there. Oh, good, <laughs> good luck winning money tonight if you keep playing like that. They'll, they'll make these disparaging comments and they'll try to maybe get back at certain players and they'll even announce such at the table of, oh, I'm going to win my money back from you. So in having a, a very poor mindset about the game it has some very negative consequences for them and as we know yeah, I, yeah. I suppose that would be one of those cases where you know doing the sort of uh, taking five minutes before the game to think about what are what are people going to be saying to me you know uh, and then also understanding in that case because you're, you're in a competitive situation mm -hmm. that people will be doing that and they're not I, I mean in a certain respect I suppose you could say they are you know crossing some sort of line but really they're not right because it's expected to be part of the the way it works the the razzing each other <laughs> um, yeah it could be seen as poor etiquette for sure okay yeah but you know I mean think about all the cases where people exhibit poor etiquette you know from not holding doors open for somebody who's got packages to you know I, we mentioned driving um, most drivers are observing etiquette in a very sporadic way i would say so right including, they, including ourselves sometimes yeah they might only cross the line or be asked to leave the casino if they would maybe be verbally combative against an employee or they would take it way over the line against another person maybe some violence would break out stealing right there are some things that can happen that can just get the automatic boot but yeah we're going to expect some of these things that yes people are going to be upset at the table we see all these negative manifestations of emotions coming forth from people i suppose we could say the same thing in a lot of other contexts as well like um going into a meeting where you have to make a pitch and several other people are making pitches any sort of competitive situation there's likely to be some you know it could be it could be just simple in making jokes and everybody's okay with that but it could also be something strategic where you're trying deliberately to to make your opponent or, or you know the person who you see as a rival uh lose their cool and 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 thereby to go back to you know to the stoic thing thereby um start having their reasoning processes going going the wrong way not really grasping what's their genuine good and seeing getting revenge as mm. something something that's good um, the stoics think that that's always something bad as a matter of fact epictetus has this really wonderful discussion 
I don't remember exactly where it is in the discourses. It's somewhere, I think, in book three. And he tells somebody, look, so somebody else has is, you know, screwing themselves up and they're doing what you feel to be injustice or wronging to you. And it, it might actually be, you know, crossing some sort of legitimate line that shouldn't be crossed in terms of justice. But so you, let me get this straight. This is what Epictetus talking to the guy. What you're going to do is you're going to screw yourself up uh, so that you're going to in some way make things better by what? Taking revenge on him, you know, this is, don't you understand that he's already screwed up, so there's already some, you know, deficit of morality in the right. situation. It's its own punishment. Yeah, so how are, you know, he's asking the guy in a very pointed way, because Epictetus can often be, you know, very dryly funny uh, right, with right. his questions he's asking. So how, how is this going to make things better exactly? Yeah, wretch, <laughs> slave. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. He, he'll, he'll bring that up. Yeah, there, there are even analogies in a lot of Epictetus's work about life being like a game, acknowledging chance elements that might happen. He's saying, imitate those who play at dice. The dice are indifferent. The counter yeah. are indifferent but how are we going to apply skill to that which happens to that which falls right so many things are going to be outside of our control again we're recognizing that dichotomy of control and how are we to respond to it what's going to be the best way in the sense of a game we're going to talk about what's the best strategy to take right so we could think about that in life too is lashing out at someone else going to be the best way to handle things no that yeah. doesn't seem to be the case right well, you know, with anger, that that's actually a good way to put it, too, because it is really difficult to, to um, stop ourselves and, and to deal with properly once we've gotten angry until we've developed some, some good habits to, to counteract that. And, you know, often we'll, this will come up after we've already gotten angry and said some things that we shouldn't or, or done some things. And... It's important, I think, from the Stoic perspective that we don't simply beat ourselves up over this, but we recognize that, you know, in theory, what we feel is in our control, right? Mm -hmm. But the way that we've, we've wound up being, for the most part, not everything that we feel is, is in our control immediately. We, it can become in our control if we choose to work on it. So, you know, we can, we can do anger management, right? right. And, and with time, that will get better. But when we, when we do find ourselves already angry, that's sort of like the dice having been thrown. Mm-hmm. And now the question is, how do we, how do we play in, in the, uh, the situation that, that we're in? What, you know, what's our next move? Do we say, oh, well, look, I'm angry, so I guess I should just go along and punch this guy in the nose. <laughs> or do we say, oh, I, I've gotten angry. That's not a good thing. I do want to work on this. Okay, what do I need to do in order to, to keep this situation from getting worse? than what it is. And and like you said, that may often involve removing ourselves from situations, particularly if we're angry because somebody say, going after us and insulting us. That's tough to do because once we get angry, you know, all these sorts of lines of reasoning that Seneca is attacking and, and Epictetus is also looking at um, start to pop into our head like, well, if I if I let him get away with this, then what's he going to do next? Um, right. And we have to learn how to silence those or to, to respond to those with some better lines of reasoning that can help us, you know, to, to be to be productive right Uh, so there's going to be some level of tolerance or acceptance about what happens but we don't want to be completely passive either there can be arguments for self-defense protecting ourselves letting others know that we're not happy about something that's going on maybe you could change that behavior right 
Yeah, this is when we get into questions of, of justice and our you might say duties or obligations, not just to ourselves, but to others. So if you think about, especially not just when you're on your own, but if you have kids, right? What do you do when your kid is being bullied? Do you intervene in some way? Or do you, or do you tell your kid, well, stoicism says that it's really not that person insulting you. It's you choosing to be insulted. No, that would be a horrible thing to tell your kid, to, to impose on them. You, you know, and, and there is, you know, the stoics do recognize there are definite norms of justice that we should be, we should be upholding. The, the question is whether we need to get angry in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And Seneca says, um, you know, the Aristotelians think that this is precisely why anger is so useful, because it, it gives us the energy that we need in order to, to get things done, in order to resist, say, people who are transgressing uh, legitimate, you know, boundaries and expectations, or people who are engaging in bad behavior over and over again. It's good for us to get angry because we get riled up and then we oppose them. And Seneca says, well, why the hell can't you oppose them without being angry? Right, right. If you know it's the right thing to do, are you unable to make yourself do the right thing unless you get angry? That seems a little strange. Right. (laughs) We We could see something that motivates us to be productive and make a change and not feel these negative emotions at the same time. Yes, we might see some sort of injustice in the world, something that, okay, yeah. well, oh, well, hey, maybe here, here's an example of a, a person who was wrongly put in jail or was wrongly executed, right? And the evidence comes up later. Anger, yeah. is that the first way to go about things? Uh, how are we going to feel about that, right? What, what you know, you I think, think? I think too, in our, our um, media-rich and information-rich environment, it's much easier for us to get, on the one hand, angry about things, because there's lots of, you know, all we have to do is, like, read BuzzFeed or, you know, Vice or something like that, and there's plenty of things that they're they're making money off of getting us angry about, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that'll get us to share it. Um, and, and on the other hand, if, if we just think in terms of justice and injustice, the more that we know, the easier it is for us to see something that Plato pointed out, you know, back in his dialogues, which is that there is no justice in in human affairs that turns out to be totally just. Now, Plato thought that's because there was, you know, this form of justice that nothing else measures up to. But he was right in saying that all you have to do is tilt it slightly to one side and what looks like a just act and is a just act to some degree also contains some injustice somebody else is is getting you know screwed um great example of this is if you if you want to eat ethically today um it's it's almost impossible to to do it and and to measure up to the standards of nobody being uh, treated badly in the entire process. There's there's not much you can actually eat without there being some unjust exploitation, or um, you know things that are being done to the environment that that uh, we shouldn't countenance. But so what you do is you say, well, we're going to try to minimize, right? You right. know these things. And, and it's the same way with personal relationships, I think, too. I, we, could, we get angry at each other because we feel like we're crossing each other's boundaries or we're letting each other down or, you know, we're not treating each other as equals. And there's always going to be some of that going on because we're human beings. 
and we're very complicated, and it takes a long time for us to actually get to know each other and to understand, you know, what mm-hmm. buttons. Yeah, we're human behavior is complex. Sure. Yeah, and so so what we want to aim for is is doing less and less of that, and then bringing less, you know, to be quite honest, just less of our own BS to the table uh-huh. each time, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, themes in Stoicism about working to improve our own quality of life so that we can better help others and be more productive in the world, right, and accomplish some social good, that's for sure. That's a common theme there. Yeah, I think that, you know, if we know that certain things rile us up, we can choose not to watch shows about that sort of stuff. So when we, <laughs> we come to work or, you know, come to the party to talk with people, we're not already ticked off about that, yeah. you know, just sort of in the background. Yeah, uh, and what can you really do about it? That's, again, the dichotomy of control. What's inside our control, yeah. outside, or maybe the third dimension of, well, maybe it can a little bit be in my control. I mean, well, I'm probably not going to stop factory farming anytime soon, but I can improve yeah. my diet to live a more ethical life or Maybe I can even upload some pictures of healthy food, <laughs> right? Exactly, uh, yeah. Just explain to friends, oh, hey, I've lost weight and this is how I've done it, right? I'm not going to change the whole world, but I can still make a difference in my own life and then maybe in the lives of others. And we can yeah. be content with that. And you know, so Epictetus is a huge fan of Socrates. I think we were talking about this earlier i might have talked about it with with somebody else that he's he's the most referenced person in in all the discourses mm-hmm. and and epictetus says first of all you know not everybody has to be socrates socrates fulfilled his role by going around and questioning people diogenes fulfilled his role by going around and getting in people's faces mm-hmm. in a way that was very different than socrates zeno fulfilled his role by teaching people in a systematic way and we all have our our different roles to fulfill but he also says you know Socrates would get maybe one out of a thousand to listen to him, but he didn't stop. He, he kept on doing it. He, he realized that, you know, other people, what they choose to, to think and, and feel really is up to them. We can try to give them a, another idea. We can be persistent in, in sticking with it and putting something better uh, as an alternative in front of them. But they, you know, in many cases, they can ignore us. And, and so not only do we have to be well-equipped in order to not get angry at that, because, I mean, who doesn't get angry when, when they feel like people should be listening to this great thing that they have to, to offer and they're not being listened to. <laughs> but also we should, you know, we, we should, um, we're probably, we can reach them maybe, I don't know, one out of a hundred times or one out of 50 times, right. you know, we see our friend getting, getting worked up about something and that's okay. All that, it, all that it requires is that we, we make some effort and, and we do it in a way that's not going to make them angrier. Right. We can't stop all of the, what we perceive to be injustice in the world and yeah, don't have too much high expectations, right? The Stokes talk about that, that if we have our desires, our expectations really high, then we're going to consistently be failing. So we should work to temper that and work to have realistic expectations about things. Yeah, I think that's that's a portion. This doesn't get talked about quite enough, but I think that's a portion of what prudence is. You know, the, the virtue of prudence means um, having a set of expectations, being able to work out the, the proper expectations for that, that are going to be manageable, in which you know, we can do some good, you know, whatever measure of good we can, we can do. I mean, we're not all emperors, right? Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> 
Right, and, and even even as an emperor, right, it was Marcus Aurelius. Uh, many of his children died. They didn't outlive. Oh yeah, yeah, many of his children died. Yeah, they didn't outlive him, and he even had the best medical care, physicians, <laughs> all of this. And still, everything can't go the way he wanted it to. So surely, in our lives, everything isn't going to go the way we would want it to go either. And I think we're also set up, I mean, it's not as if things weren't done in predatorial ways in the past. I mean, just think about tax farming back in ancient Rome. Uh, you know, it was a horrible practice that set up all sorts of abuses. But, you know, we we live in a time that is marked by, I would say, um, a lot of governmental and corporate predatorial practices where you know, you live in a certain place, or you've got it. You got to have access to certain goods, and they make it very difficult to, to get them. So, companies, you know, learned a long time ago. You outsource customer service to, to the you know people somewhere outside of your company that are that are working for another company, so that um, it sets up all these these roadblocks to actually getting any sort of resolution. That sort of stuff, I think, places us in situations where it becomes harder for us to not get angry um, and, and not just angry at particular people but sort of angry in general at, at the injustice of the world and this is again where stoicism can be quite helpful by telling us that you know it's not as if we just have to sort of suck it up and take it on the chin that's that's a misrepresentation of stoicism but we can understand that you know the world doesn't conform to our desires in part because the world has this this complex structure to it that includes a social world that's not set up exactly as we would choose to set it up and we can we can adapt ourselves to that or or we can allow ourselves to get very upset by it because it will upset us if we don't adapt right. ourselves, you know, very quickly. Yeah, so we're, we're getting on the end to talking about some other areas in which people might be upset. For instance, people might be upset because they haven't had success in certain areas of life as they would define it. Perhaps they have a hard time finding a partner for a long-term relationship. People get quite upset about the dating scene. Oh, women yeah. are like this, guys are like this, and there, there's just a lot of anger. Well, those are, yeah, I'd say those are two huge areas. Success Epictetus has a good discussion of this in uh, the later parts of his discourses. He's got a chapter on um, friendship and a chapter on the contentious and, and brutal, where he's talking about competition and the fact that when we are placed in, when we see ourselves as placed in competition with another person, it's natural that we should um, have negative emotions towards them and that they should have negative emotions towards us and that we probably want to reframe this. In terms of success, if there's, you know, there's five people applying for a position, only one person can get the position. And I mean, in, in academics, we face this all the time because some, t some of the positions we apply for, there's 500 or even, you know, 1,000 applicants. And, and so a lot of people don't get what they, what they feel is owed to them. And, and I, I, you know, Stoicism would say maybe, you, maybe they have to call into question what is actually owed to them. And right. maybe it would be useful for them to think in terms of the dichotomy of control. In terms of romantic relationships, it gets a bit more complicated, I think, because not only is there that competitive aspect with, you know, the people that you see as your rivals but there's also well why isn't the object of my affection 
returning that affection to me. Mm. And again, that's where we have to remind ourselves that, like, you know, Epictetus says, no one person controls another person's faculty of choice. Right. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody controls each other's character. The only way that you can temporarily is by getting something over on them that you know getting them to desire something that you have control over and this is exactly what like you know pickup artists you know suggest doing in terms of mm -hmm. dating and and that's terrible you know quite frankly because what is what is any sort of real relationship going to be right based upon? well for them maybe it won't work out in the long term maybe it'll just be say a one-night stand or just um, yeah. a friends with benefits type situation right but as far as a long-term relationship yeah those things probably won't work well you won't you won't have i mean you can have a friends with benefits but if you don't manage it well the friend part very quickly can drop out and then you you know there's nothing in, intrinsically wrong i would say with with people hooking up with each other you know provided there's no abuse or exploitation mm -hmm. or things like that built into that sure but but it's a pretty shallow it's pretty shallow in comparison to what's possible for us and i think a lot of the people that are seeking out, you know, romantic relationships are looking for more than that. And, and that's part of why they can get so upset about it. Um, they feel that they're, they're owed happiness. And, you know, to begin with, that's, that's just not, not true in itself. But, it, you know, things are quite unfair. We do, inha we do inhabit a, a time in which things are quite tough in, in these respects. And um, so we have to figure out how we're going to, how we're going to do this without, you know, getting our getting our damaging ourselves more you know worsening our character so that when we do in fact have the opportunity for something real then we can seize it and then not screw it up the next week right know? seneca <laughs> talks a lot about friendship and being careful and who we surround ourselves with and oh, share yeah. our intimate details with right so actually maybe being having a steadier approach and saying oh well maybe if this person really isn't interested in me then okay so be it i'm just going to move on and maybe they they're not such a great partner then you know rather than just trying to force that to happen or change them that, that doesn't seem to be a productive way to go about things i suppose if, if the idea and a lot of people do this in romantic relationships they get into it and they're like well this is a fixer-upper you know i i like you know some parts of him or her but we're going to definitely have to work on these other things and, and you know you think to yourself well, how much do you really like this person that you're in the relationship with, mm -hmm. you know? And what's going to happen if you, if it never actually pans out, if they ha still have the same annoying habits that, that they came in the relationship with five years down the line? Are you going right, to say, right. well, I, I gave you a shot, but now it's done. Uh, these, these are... I mean, there's a lot more that we could talk about here. Yes, yes, we're running, we're running toward the end, but but this is good. Yes, a lot of a lot of parallels to anger. Why people might be angry? What are certain triggers? What are certain buttons that can be pushed? But yes, I thought this went really well. Let's move on and talk a little bit about your projects, what you're working on, and how people can find you online. Oh, okay. So I actually am at work but it's going quite slowly on, on a few books written for popular audiences, specifically on anger. And one of them is, is looking at it um, from, from stoic sources and, and perspectives and trying to adapt it to contemporary life and the sort of things, you know, like dating or driving your car that we were talking about mm -hmm. here. I'm also doing a few other things along those lines. But right now, I, I will mention that I, I've gotten a little bit distracted by deciding to write a short book on um, what Stoics mean by 
in accordance with nature. And I'm hoping to get that cranked out by the end of the, the summer. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I did some blog posts on that and decided this is this this actually merits a much larger discussion. So the anger stuff will come out, but but I've gotten a little bit detoured for the time being. I do, you know, a lot of videos. Uh, a lot of your audience will, will know me primarily through those. Best places to find me would be on my, my main video channel. Um, by the way, I'll put in a pitch. Um, I, I'm on Patreon, so those who like the videos can can certainly uh, contribute. I'm very happy uh, when people do. It helps me to, to, you know, with the amount of time that I put in to justify taking it away from, from other right, right. Uh, more remunerative uh, things that, I, that I'm doing. Um, the other place people can find me is on the Reason I.O., Dot com website. Um, that's my company through which I do tutoring, philosophical counseling, content production, coaching, uh, all sorts of things along those lines. And, and of course, I'm the editor of Stoicism Today, so people see me on, on there as well. It's reasonio.com. And yeah. Facebook, Twitter, you're also on there under Gregory Sadler, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 on a, more social media than I should be probably because it takes up quite a bit of time. Right, and we have uh, the Stoic Philosophy Facebook page also. That's uh, we're both on, so they can. Oh us. yeah, and and somebody else who I'll, I'll, I'll mention here, Donald Robertson, who you know moderates that that group. I don't know how he finds the time to do all the, <laughs> the stuff that he does because that group now has twenty five thousand members, which yeah. is a it's a, it's great to see you know this this growth, but. Man, I, I barely have the time to do the kind of stuff that I do. So I don't right. know how he does it. Maybe he doesn't sleep, you know. All right. Well, thank you very much for the conversation today. Sure. I'm glad to come on. It was very enjoyable. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at justinvacula.com where you can find links to my social portals, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and see past Stoic Philosophy content on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Consider donating if you support my work and would like to see more for this takes time, money, and effort to produce content. Have a great day.